Welcome to the Busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to leave a comment regarding this episode or the podcast in general. To leave a comment, go to Love the Podcast. That's all one word, lovethepodcast.com forward slash BLDS. And that's B as in boy, BLDS. Or you can click on the link in the show notes. Today we hear from Dave Cook, a retired CPA who has done auditing for the business world and the church. He grew up in the church but became inactive and never served admission as a young man but he more than made up for that in his later years. He and his wife have served three very different missions. You'll enjoy hearing about his life, becoming active in the church, and his new approach to studying the scriptures. Now, here is Dave. Well, Dave, good morning. How are you doing uh, this early morning? Ah, wonderful. It's great to be and going. Yes, yes, and we've got some nice weather. Uh, of course, I enjoy the snow, but uh, most people don't. So, <laughs> and we we have our time change here, which I certainly don't like, but um, not much I can do about that. So now, wh- where do you live? I live in Springville, Utah. Okay, and you're currently serving as a missionary. Yes, I serve uh, uh, live at home. MLS missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, in the last over a year and three months or so, uh, we accepted assignment to be senior assistants for um, the president for senior missionaries. So we've kind of changed our assignment. A new elder and sister came into our stake to take over the responsibilities of the stake we were assigned. And we did keep some people we kept teaching. We still are teaching, uh, but we haven't taken any new ones from our stake since we, since the new couple came in. What do the senior missionaries do? What, what are their responsibilities? Uh, Primarily our responsibilities are to, work with the stakes and wards, and minister on steroids, basically, to members of the church who have been less active. We do after-baptism lessons. We teach active members the family plan for Gathering Israel, which is um, a simple way to say that we try to teach members not to be afraid of missionary work, realizing they can be successful missionaries if they live a Christ-like life, are friendly, and invite somebody to do something, whether they join the church or not. Why do you think most members of the church are reluctant to do missionary work? Well, it does take a commitment, a commitment to our Savior and a commitment to being self-active or self-motivated. We don't tell them. We teach them. We orientate them. I should say, senior missionaries, and then they go back and they have to implement whatever they're going to be doing for the mission. 
And it's amazing, though, we get to read all the highlights of our senior missionaries and then respond back to them. And honestly, you can see the Lord's hand in all of our senior missionaries. They get to touch lives. They get to change lives. Um, I don't know that there's anything more exciting to see somebody turning from a worldly way to a more holy way where they can start feeling the spirit. Uh, some of the people that we were, we've taught, when they hear the concept of tithing or they knew it, but they've never really practiced it. And then they're finally willing because the spirit moves them to start paying tithing. They can't seem to wait to tell us that they'd had a miracle in their life because of tithing. And it, it just reaffirms the fact that the Lord is in the details of our lives. It appears that, um, at least appears to me, that missionary work is kind of an attitude, and I think that's what you were referring to. I always think of my um, my father-in-law, uh, Serge Woodruff. Now, he passed uh, last year, 93 or 94. Um but he was amazing to watch. Uh, he served as a mission president uh, back in Tennessee, Nashville area. But uh, I would go out with him, and he would just start conversations with people, total strangers. <laughs> and it, 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 he didn't start with, well, do you want to read the Book of Mormon, or <laughs> what do you know about the Mormons? Uh, he just started a conversation. Uh, but I would watch, and within three or four minutes, it was something about the church. And he just, I don't know, just made it look so natural to just move into that. Uh, he, We were walking out of a fast food uh, place one time, and he, um, a, a, an elderly gentleman was coming into the place, and uh, my father-in-law says, Hi, and how are you? And they started up a conversation for five minutes, and we learned that the, the man had just recently lost his wife, and he's widowed, and... Uh, and uh, discussion of the gospel began. Now, nothing came of it, but uh, I was just amazed how easy he makes it look. It, and it is. Um, it is easier for some people than it is for others. I myself have never had a problem talking to anyone. Um, sometimes it turns out fantastic, but you can find so much information about people's lives if you just make one comment about what they're wearing like you see it saw i was hiking with my brother in arizona and i noticed a person had on their their t-shirt about breast cancer and i said oh are you involved in that and he said oh yes we are we are working like crazy to get more awareness out so we can help solve this problem. And by the time I'd left, I'd found out where they lived, what they were doing, and how many children they had, and why they were involved, because it had affected them uh, personally. It's amazing. And so in those conversations, you can express your love of God in some way without being overbearing or um, silly. You can just bear that you know that that like this this person who had cancer breast cancer the mother that was dying or died and you can 
bear your testimony to the plan of salvation. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Now, with the COVID, um, how has it changed with the senior missionaries as far as COVID? I know what the uh, younger missionaries are doing. You see them on YouTube and all of that. But how are the senior missionaries handling it? Uh, some are really embracing it and have done very well with it. Some struggle a little bit with it. But we had two 90-year-old sisters that were serving. They had different companions. They were sister companions. But they not had very much experience with anything like smartphones and email and texts. But they stepped up, and they were soon texting and emailing and um, Zooming their lessons overline and just doing what they did naturally, but using more technology. And how are they getting in touch with these uh, people? I, I guess the, the it's no longer inactive. They use a different term. What is it? Oh, less active. Yeah, less active. So well, we call them less active, but they're we actually call them friends. That's it. Yes. Yeah. There's a. I, I know that they changed the term there. Yes. So what what are they doing? Are they just um, calling them up on the phone, or what? What exactly is going on? Um, yes, and about everything else they can do. We can actually go into people's homes right now if our senior missionaries feel comfortable. Many of them have already had the vaccines, so they're feeling a lot more uh, confident. They can go in a home for 20 minutes as long as they're masked up, and that has really helped. So some of the things are starting to go. Some missions don't do that, but ours has um, progressed to that point. It's been really well. It's gone really well. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Well, now what about you personally? You're obviously retired. What did you do for a living? Uh, I retired from a company called Clyde Companies which is um, horizontal construction and supply, construction supply. Um, it was kind of a miracle. <laughs> it goes to um, miracle when I say that, that why I could retire. I retired at 60. And it's because they offered an early retirement for some of the executives. And I was going to go in and turn it down. But something stopped me on the way because I'd been praying to go on a mission. I was attending an art class. Well, it wasn't really a class, a group of artists that we were drawing from a, a costumed model, various ethnic groups, etc. Um, and I was there, and the fellow that was one of the people who had taught at BYU for a long time was trying with us. He was going on a mission to France. And I said something like, well, that's probably not possible for me to go on a mission. My wife's very ill. There's not a lot that I'm going to be able to do about that. And he looked right at me and he said, oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I guess I do have little faith. So with that, I started to pray. This would have been in uh, 2010. I started to pray to go on a mission, though I wouldn't recommend that you pray without your wife in the group. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
because I was praying this on my own personal prayers. And then things started to happen. Um, a doctor that was helping her move her hips because she they'd atrophied from being bedridden from all the medicines she was taking. He, she'd been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Well, as he was working with her hips, he said, I don't think you have rheumatoid arthritis. Will you go get rechecked? So she went back to her doctor and they were very reluctant to do that and weren't exactly nice about it. And so she went to an internologist that was helping her with all the uh, damage that was done internally from medicines. And we got her off all the medicines and she was retested and she didn't have rheumatoid arthritis, which allowed us. Now, did she, was it a miraculous healing of rheumatoid arthritis or was it misdiagnosis? I didn't care at that point because it looked like we could now go on a mission. So I went to the Lord and says, well, okay, it looks like we're about to go on a mission. Or we can, thinking when I'm 66 or 67 years old. And everything would look good to, for us to go on this mission, you know, in six or seven years. Well, um, it's interesting that out of the blue, the company offered a, a early golden parachute for retirement. And I looked at that and I go, oh, I, I'm kind of unhappy with this. I'm going to go turn this down immediately. But on the way, I heard in my mind, I thought you'd said you'd go on a mission. And I stopped. I go, oh, okay. So I went in and accepted the early retirement and uh, was telling a friend of mine in a Boy Scout meeting. Um, we were at the council, and I was on the properties committee. And he was the fundraiser, head of the committee. And, I, and he said, hey, the church needs financial auditors. I was a CPA by training, and I was going to say, you know, don't turn my name into the church that I'm a financial guy. I want them to just decide where they send me, and I'll go wherever they want. And I went to say, no, don't turn my name in. And I said, uh, yeah, go ahead, turn my name in. Within a week, the church had called us and said, um, would you be interested in serving as area auditors for Europe East area? Um, I said, yes. So we be, that was our first mission was to Russia. Well, Europe East area. So we did extensive traveling while we were there because they wanted us to get out to the people, not the other way around. So I thought it was a mission sent from heaven for me. It's a great adventure. Uh, Sister Cook might have thought it a little bit more difficult. But she was able to get around. She was. Uh, she she got um, she continually got better after she got off her medications and had her whole health. And then I told her that I'd been praying to go on a mission and there was this early retirement package. And I'd already gone and told my father ask him what he thought he was still alive at that time and he i he was quite a good businessman and 
had a good sense for money, and I was expecting him to say, are you crazy? You're making more than you've ever made. What are you doing? But instead he says, wow, that's wonderful. There's more to life than money. Go, go, go. So I had his blessing before I had my wife's blessing. (laughs) That's not a good idea. But she was so good uh, in accepting that. But she did say, I'm finally feeling good so I can go get out with our family and everything. And now we're going to go to Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you were there two years. Yeah, 23 months. Yes. Okay, 23 months. And then you came home. Uh, when did you start serving uh, a mission locally? Well, when we came home, I actually went back to work as a consultant for a year. And oh. then the church called us and asked us to serve uh, a service mission at the church office building as auditors. So my wife and I went up and we audited for. She quit a little bit before three years, but I stayed a full three years there. That ended in April of 2018, and we were on this mission in December 2018. Now, what when you audit for the church, uh, now, I know what auditing is. <laughs> yeah. I know what a CPA is, but what are you, exactly you auditing when you're up at the church uh, in Salt Lake and you're an auditor? What, what, what are you doing? Well, the missionary auditors, they just do domestic, well, typically domestic audits. I, all I did was domestic audits for fast offerings. That's all I did. Sister Cook, she helped coordinate some of the uh, properties that the church owns. Their the audits were for the properties. She did some Canadian audits um, in fast offerings, and she did the FM or coordinated the FM, helped coordinate those things. Mm-hmm. So she had a little bit more variety than what what I did. But uh, it's amazing. You get to know some of the inner workings of the gospel, and you see how many people are helped daily by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They don't talk a lot about fast offerings and how they're used. But I can say I stand all amazed at just how much goodness goes on because of our fast offerings. It was it was amazing. That was your second mission, and so now you're on a third? Yes. Uh-huh. And again, just kind of review your third one. Well, we were, my wife was serving as Stake Relief Society president, and I was serving as um, the Stake Executive Secretary. And we were called into the new Stake president, to, and he was just trying to get to know us. And while he was talking to us, he says, I've had a few promptings about you two to serve a, ask you to serve a mission and to serve the a local mission served in our state. And it's a full-time mission. You're called just like any other full-time missionary is. And Sister Cook lit up by like a candle because she thought that was the best thing, that she could serve and be home and not – she was – I think she was afraid that we might go back to 
Russia. <laughs> <laughs> so we we've been serving, and it's been so rewarding and wonderful working with senior missionaries. Our mission president that was over senior missionaries, and his name is Elder Blickens, or President Blickenstaff, he was called as an interim mission president because of the large number of young uh, adults. So basically we have two mission presidents right now, President O'Reardon from Melbourne, Australia, and then President Blickenstaff as an interim mission president. And when that happened, um, we were asked to take a little bit more responsibility in the mission. So we're filling in for some of the things that President Blickenstaff did when he had time. <laughs> He's really busy now. Moving on to um, the scriptures here, what, um, how has the scriptures played within your life? Well, extremely important. Um, I did not serve a mission as a young man. I grew up in a very active family. But when we moved from Springville to Salt Lake City when I was 15, I had a real hard time fitting in. And there were some unkindnesses that were done that made me quite bitter. So I stopped going to church and wouldn't read scriptures, wouldn't do anything. And I started to believe in some of the worldly philosophies of man. And... Uh, much to my parents' heartache, and at least one brother kept writing to me <laughs> to try to change my mind. Um, but I was pretty definite. I didn't want anything to do with the church, and I went completely inactive. Um, I found that I could get a lot of friends by not living the standards where I couldn't seem to get a friend at all, even in my own ward. Um, seemed like I was almost being shunned. Very few people, if any, would talk to me at my own age. And so I, be, I started looking people at people as rather hypocritical, that they said all this wonderful stuff in church, but they didn't practice any of it. Of course, when you're starting to get real negative feelings, you can see all the bad, if you want, into other people. Well, time went on. I married my sweet high school sweetheart. Um, she was from a, her mother had been a member, but it had her name removed. It was very anti-LDS uh, church, and her father was Southern Baptist, so we seemed to get along just fine with that family. Well, we moved to Hawaii, and my uncle was president of the college at that time, of Church College of Hawaii. And as we moved into a one-room house on the beach, uh, we were so poor, we didn't have much of anything. And within a few minutes, the bishopric came and visited with us. And then they left, and a half an hour later, the Elders Quorum Presidency came and visited with us. And then a little while later in the day, our visiting teacher and home teacher came to visit with us, a couple. And they said, well, we think that coming once a month isn't enough. We're going to have family home meeting every Sunday night with you. <laughs> so we were active before we realized what we were doing. And, of course, I didn't really have a testimony, and I was still looking at people in a negative way. 
Well, I got a little bit sick and couldn't go to work for a couple of days. And as I was laying there, I looked at the old Book of Mormon that I'd brought over that my father had given me for to go on a mission. And I looked at it and I said, okay, I'll give you another chance. Well, we were so poor, we didn't have any other books. We didn't have a TV. We didn't have a radio. Um, so I picked up the Book of Mormon and I read it in two days. I couldn't put it down. And I kept getting these wonderful feelings about that would come on. But I knew enough about the Book of Mormon. You weren't supposed to know this until Moroni 10, when it says, if after you've read these things, if it's going to be true. So I'd shut those down during those that the two days of reading. And of course, Sister Cook thought I was absolutely out of my head. So Becky heads out and she heads down the street. Uh, not the street, the beach. <laughs> she went on a walk on the beach. Just couldn't hardly take me what I was doing because I was just completely enthralled. I'm not sure I slept much during that time. Well, I knew you're supposed to go to like a closet or something to pray. And when you're away from the church a while, you have what I call spiritual amnesia. I forgot all the good feelings I'd had growing up in an active home. So I went to the closet and I said, okay, is this true? Now I'd had these wonderful feelings going on, but I wasn't going to admit that that was the truth yet. So I knelt and I prayed. And for me, being a nervous fellow, I think I might have been in there five minutes, but it seemed like hours. And... I kept asking, well, is this true? And then I'd wait and wait and wait and no answer. So finally I said, okay. I stepped out of the, the closet and I said, well, I guess it's not true. And I was a bit disappointed because the book had really enthralled me. Um, then I also heard this in my head. I told you four times already. <laughs> so I said, oh, where did that come from? You look around and either they were thoughts or words, I'm not sure. But I said, oh, okay. Well, now scriptures have become all important. And I'm afraid that if I stop studying daily or if I stop following the prophets, telling us to read the Book of Mormon and all the other scriptures that I read and continued to read, I might slip back again into those odd, odd times where life just seemed dark. It's also changed the way I looked at people. I never looked at people as hypocrites anymore in the church or anywhere. I saw people struggling. I saw people needing help, needing a lift, needing a friend, uh, wanting to be good, but often making poor choices. That's what I saw. There was no more hypocrisy. There was no more me complaining about anyone. Now, my mother-in-law still liked to point out every time a member of the church did something bad and got in the paper, and she made sure I saw the article. Well, that didn't matter to me anymore. None of that did, because I had a, a true testimony of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. I also later had a as just powerful that this church is true. 
and it was just as powerful as the Book of Mormon testimony. So, yeah, is it perfect? Are people perfect? Absolutely not. And don't expect me to be, but certainly I saw wonder in people's eyes, struggling, but they were, they're loved, they are beloved children of our Heavenly Father with all their warts. And I think it just all dawned on me that these were the most wonderful people on earth. How do you um, approach the scriptures on a daily basis? What, what do you do? Well, thanks to your class that has been quite an influence upon me, I do use the Gospel Library quite extensively. The notes, uh, we do a lot of lesson preparations, and I use all the notes. I use tags and all those things that just help enrich the scriptures, particularly as I'm getting older and I don't have as much recall of the scriptures as I used to. But those are those are great tools. It It's like carrying a whole library around with you whenever you're you have a question or if you're teaching somebody a concept some of these things can come to mind quite rapidly which is what the lord promises promises that he will uh, go with us as we share his gospel and he does now are you doing that on an, a smartphone or an ipad or what are you using i use a smartphone um, an iPhone. I've had an iPad, um, but when I was an executive secretary, I bought a convenient little PC, and my iPad got too old. It wouldn't have the Gospel Library on it anymore, so I haven't replaced that, though I think that your last class convinced me that I probably should replace that so yeah. I can have that split screen and and s start comparing and being able to do some things in Gospel Library that I haven't been doing. Uh, but I download a lot of videos in our lessons, and uh, but I hold the iPhone while I'm giving the lesson because that's where the scriptures and the notes that I have for the lesson that I'm giving. And really, senior missionaries only teach concepts. We don't go like the young elders and sisters and have to teach a whole lesson in it in one sitting. Um, we were teaching after baptism lessons to one family, and uh, we were there for 13 months. Of course, it breaks your heart when they say, well, I think we need a break now, but uh, they become your family, your friends for eternity. Now, as a senior missionary, uh, do you have a schedule similar to the younger elders and sisters as far as getting up and uh, having scripture study in the morning, or w what is your schedule? Well, one, I'm an early riser anyway, but no, we don't have those kind of rules. Um, these are seasoned warriors, and they know what they're doing. All we have to do is tell them what the mission expects, and then the, most of them are off and running. Do you find, uh, is most of your scripture study done in the morning? I, I am a morning person, and yes, I, I do most all my studying. But now there's so much available to us. So I might be studying Come Follow Me in the morning, but then later in the evening I might be listening to uh, Tyler and Taylor, which does a Come Follow Me or Don't Miss This. 
there are several that are really good. I even listen to Matthew Roberts from England, who does a Come Follow Me on a podcast. So there's a there's just so much available to us right now that it's almost there's no time to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I discovered last night. Um, it's uh, it comes from the Book of Mormon Central, and I can't remember the woman's name. She's uh, a teacher at uh, BYU, I believe, but. Uh, she's talking about the Doctrine and Covenants, and of course, come follow me. Uh, I was enthralled. She is just so, in fact, she t one of these people that really talks fast, and she's just so excited about the whole thing, but uh, she puts on excellent presentations, and it's part of the, um, uh, let's see, is it the Scriptures Plus? I, I've got to look that up. Um, I'm looking it up now. Um, but Yeah, I have scriptures plus yeah online. yeah i i think it's the scriptures plus that is put out by the um book of mormon central and um she's on there but i thought boy i'm gonna in fact i listened to uh this coming week and i went back and listened to last week where she talked a lot about emma smith and it was very very interesting and you're right there is just there is so much available now that I'm convinced that there's no excuse for somebody staying on the covenant path. That um, we we've got these devices that have, we've been blessed with, and you can listen to a podcast. You can listen to, uh, and the church has several podcasts. Um, you can listen to music. You can listen to the scriptures. Sometimes when I'm driving, I'm listening to the scriptures. Uh, there is so much available to help us just stay focused and to let God prevail, as uh, President Nelson has asked us to um, to do. So, yeah, these devices are very, very helpful. And um, uh, a lot of the population, not just the, within the church, but a lot of the population use them for other things. But uh, there is just, you're absolutely right. Just the gospel library alone has so much um, information in there that you can listen to, you can watch. Uh, that um, it's it's absolutely uh, amazing when I'm doing the dishes or something like that. I'll either listen to a, be listening to a podcast, um, or uh, just have the scriptures going or uh, some music or something. So it, it's absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing what we have within our hands. Oh, I do listen to podcasts too extensively, and so. You can do all kinds of things while you're listening to a podcast, and you can be lifted spiritually while you're fixing a mechanical problem on your car or something. It's yes, pretty cool. yes. And uh, I have on my phone, um, in my music library, I've got um, Truman Matson's um, lectures on Joseph Smith and things like that. And you're right, I I could be cleaning the house or doing laundry and listening to that and and it, it sometimes it just stops me and go, did I hear that right? I never heard that before. And it's just, um, it's it's wonderful. And as you said, it's it's very, very uplifting. Well, I'm grateful for the time with you. And you're the one that approached me and said you would like to, um, to be on the podcast. And for others that are listening, you're always welcome to contact me. And um, I'd be, I would love to uh, talk to you.
and um, just grateful for your time. I've enjoyed the time with you, and um, uh, wow, I I didn't realize that you had served uh, three missions. That is really something. And that coming from someone who um, didn't want to serve as a young man, and uh, your story about becoming active. Um, How long were you in uh, Hawaii, by the way? Uh, We... We went the whole time there, four years. So I graduated with a accounting and business administration degrees. Okay. And uh, I, I've only been to Hawaii once. <laughs> and I didn't enjoy it that much. I, I'm not one for humid weather. Uh, but uh, it's a beautiful place. It's absolutely gorgeous there. Well, love the ocean. I love the hiking in the mountains. Um, I did work long hours and went to school full-time and so um you didn't enjoy what you would say like a like you're on a trip you're actually there with your nose to the grindstone the whole time yes well when you i've lived in another country uh, for four years and working and so it's totally different than being a tourist it's it's totally different but at the same time you get to know the real local flavor uh, true. Yeah, a lot they, of great people wherever you are. If yes, you find, looking right. Yes, absolutely. Well, I would like to end with you bearing your testimony. Would you be able to do that? I'd love to. The gospel of Jesus Christ is all important in my my life, and then you look at my family and how they've responded um, with the gospel in their lives. It just kind of held this all together. It's wonderful when my kids get on these um, text, texting back and forth, even though they live quite a distance from each other. And it's it's heaven on earth as they still love each other. We still get together. We try to get together for family reunion, and everyone goes out of their way to try to be there for the family reunion. And we're getting up there pretty good. I think we have about 45 of us now with in-laws and grandchildren, some great-grandchildren. Just the fact they still like to be together, I owe that to the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's not a selfish testimony. You can't have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ and not want to share it, not want to be a good Sunday school teacher or a good Relief Society president or whatever it may be that you're asked to do. I think our first calling in the church was to clean the sacrament trays. We wanted to serve because we knew things were true. And I'm grateful for my good companion who's also came along. It took her a few more years before she had a testimony of the gospel, but when she did, it was all she was all in. The spirit will continue has continued to testify to us as we continue to study and learn and to have further light knowledge come to us. When President Nelson asked us to hear him, I think the Spirit's almost here in more strength because we're seeing more people, even those who are just starting to clean up their act and start to come back. They're starting to feel that. They're starting to hear the good word of the Lord 
come to them personally to help them along the way. And I know this is true. Christ is our Redeemer. He is our hope and our advocate. He has restored his gospel on the, on the earth through Joseph Smith the prophet. And now we, are, we have a prophet, the head of this church. What a glorious thing. What an unprecedented thing to know that these things are true. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.